Hello and welcome to the Cheap Seats Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The State of Origin series is done and dusted for 2017. If the rumours are true, the morning after for New South Wales might have actually occurred a few days before. And joining me is the man who knows a thing or two about going too hard too early, sports writer <laughs> and pre-hatched chicken counter, Ryan O'Connell. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, mate. How are you? Very well. Can you believe these rumours about New South Wales going, getting on the, on the soup early? Like a good eight-hour session? Is that the latest reports? Yeah. I mean, honestly. Honestly. What are they Expl- thinking? But it does we'll explain get, a lot. It does. It <laughs> explains everything, in fact. Um, it's a momentous occasion for the Cheap Seats, mate. This being the milestone 100th episode of the podcast, which first came to life in April 2013. Can you believe we've been crapping on about sport in with mics in front of us for five years? <laughs> Who lets that sort of thing go? Yeah, us. Well, well, I blame you, the listener, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Don't encourage us. At the risk of being unpopular, I blame you. Uh, to mark the milestone, we've gone back to you, the listener, and the old standard, the old favourite, ask the cheap seats. And you delivered in spades, which we've asked you to. We've got a long list of cracking questions to tackle. And Did you gonna... actually mention that it's our 100th then? Well, no, that was the big... I was working up to that. Oh. I was working up to that it was the hundredth episode. Oh, lovely. I'm no, no, just that, no, that was that was it. You've that's it. You've just done it. Well done. Uh, but we are going to answer all. We've got thirty or forty odd questions in front of us. We're going to get to all of them. If you've become used to the shorter format that we've sort of used this year, then you're going to have to add an extra line to your commute, extend your walk, blank out your calendar further in the in the office, whatever you're doing, because this is going to be a longer one. So, mate, but indulge just, us. It is our hundredth. But you're exactly right. If ever we can take our time, it's it's our hundredth, and we will. Damn it! <laughs> we won't dawdle that much. Just no. a warning, though. We're not going to yeah. crap on. Well, so, more so than usual. So let's so let's let's just get into it. Mate. And this is sort of a, a, a philosophical one to start with. Um, uh, Steve Lenthal at Steve underscore L fifteen says the worst New South Wales performance in twenty seventeen: the Blues or the Waratahs. <laughs> I think it's got to be the Waratahs, to be honest. Um, I think the Blues will look back and, um, you know, regret letting the series slip through their fingers, but Mm. the Waratahs have been absolutely disgraceful, to be honest. At least the Blues uh, had a sniff (laughs) um, of winning the Waratahs. (sighs) I didn't necessarily think New South Wales would win State of Origin this year, but I did have New South Wales penciled in to top the Australian Conference. Mm-hmm. Super rugby, so yeah, me too. From that point of view, it's it's definitely New South Wales. And props to the to the raw editors. Uh, definitely the Waratahs, me. Did I not say that? You said definitely New South Wales, which doesn't oh. really nail it down. <laughs> yes, definitely the Waratahs. Just under, well, to be fair, just definitely New South Wales. Well, both of them. yeah, definitely. Under, <laughs> I mean, New South Wales. They've had a bad year as a state in general. Uh, yes, Steve, I'll say the Waratahs pretty pretty yeah. convincingly, actually. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And I've got to give uh, big, big ups to the Raw editors who over the weekend ran the cracking headline, which I'm quickly scrolling to, Tars tunnel through what they thought was rock bottom against force. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's very good. Which is, you know, probably tells you all you need to know about the Waratahs season. Uh, we yeah. might crack, tackle some, some league questions first. We'll get on to that. Um, Lockie Gaffey at... Lockie Gaffney, I beg your pardon. At Lockie Gaff on Twitter. Can New South Wales origin morale get any lower after another Queensland series win? Oh, I don't like putting that challenge out there because <laughs> <laughs> maybe they could. <laughs> careful what we wish for. Yeah, oh, look, I, oh, morale will obviously be low. I'm not sure it's the lowest it's been um, yeah. over the last 12 years, but I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. You'd have to ask those within the inner sanctum. I think New South Wales will definitely be feeling very dirty on themselves. I think there'll be a lot of soul-searching. Mm. I imagine some heads will roll, whether it's players, administrators, or maybe even the coach. Um, but to say, could morale get lower? Well, of course it could, because yeah. Queensland don't look like they're going anywhere, do they? Yeah, yeah. The, I, yeah, from that regard, the worst thing they could do is make no changes at all next year and think they can still get on with it and still yeah. do it. Um, so here's the first question without notice for the night. Mm-hmm. Should Laurie Daly go? Yeah, he should. You should. Yeah. I think uh, one series win in five years is just not good yeah. enough. Um, and for all the rhetoric that's come out this week saying it's actually the players' fault, you know, the, and even the players themselves have been saying, you know, Laurie did the best he could. It's on us. Mm. But part of that is not getting the team in a position where they're not playing well enough to do what you're asking them to do. Yeah. And, and that's you can say that's no fault of Laurie Daly. I actually disagree. I think if the players were better prepared, if the team had better tactics, then we wouldn't be saying, oh, sorry for letting you down, Laurie. Yeah. You have let him down. The fact that you did let him down says there's I wouldn't say a lack of respect but certainly something is missing and that doesn't have to be respect that doesn't have to be um, that you don't like him that doesn't mean that you don't think he's a good coach but something is clearly missing mm. and that might not be Laurie's fault but that doesn't mean he shouldn't go what I, what I actually like is that Daly hasn't come out and said it's on me he hasn't said it's 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 my responsibility I didn't get him right oh yeah I didn't have to go I'm glad that he's actually basically said it's too early to make a decision like that. And he basically yep. said that that night or the day after. And he hasn't really said anything since. And it yep. has been the players that have come out and, you know, tried to justify why they were rubbish, basically. Yeah. So, like, so second question without notice. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if Daly should go, who should take over? Yeah, look, I, I read a piece early in the week saying that uh, Joey John should take over mm. because I think he's a tactical genius. I think yep. the players would respect him, um, and I think he brings a lot of passion to the jersey. He doesn't want to do it um, for reasons that are very, very uh, fair. You know, he doesn't want, need that pressure in his life. Um, he didn't respond to, to pressure too well in his life when he was a football player, so fair enough. Uh, so the next, you know, he's nominated Freddie Fitler. If Laurie doesn't want to do it, I'm not sure Freddie's exactly right, mm. to be honest. Um, and if it's not either of those two, then it, the list suddenly becomes very long, but not very obvious, no, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely agree. On, on Fittler, um, and I can't remember who first floated the, the idea of the, the Fittler-Johns tag yeah. team thing, I thought that is actually a brilliant idea because yep. you've, got the, you've, got the, you've got the right level of passion and technical nous, as you, as you put it. I think one without the other doesn't quite add up to the same, if you know what I mean. Yeah, look, Joey Joey indicated that he is kind of interested in a, an advisory role or assistant coach type role, that, that the one with the less pressure. Yeah. Um, Freddie Fittlers obviously has a lot of media um, experience now. He doesn't yeah. seem phased by being in front of the camera or, or by that 
pressure. So that might end up being the ideal combination. You're quite right. And so and so maybe and so maybe that's the way of doing it. So so maybe Fitland is nominally the head coach, <laughs> but maybe you know maybe Andrew Johns is there to be his you know Michael Hagen to to, to Mal Meninga. Yeah, or even if he's just the attack coach, you know, yeah, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't, do, couldn't do worse than that. Uh, the first of many questions from Red Kev at Rathalol on uh, on Twitter. Where does the New South Wales origin choke of 2017 rank? Are we talking Greg Norman at the Masters level? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reckon we are. I yeah, I don't. Up there. Yeah, I don't, don't actually. I, well, only because I think that Greg Norman is the number one sporting choke of all time, and I, I'm not sure it's quite in that class, is it? <sighs> they maybe were, it, maybe they it is. Were, maybe they, it were, is. They, were, they were leading well with 20, 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes to go in game two. Yeah, look, I'm not saying it wasn't and, and a choke. Then, it definitely was. To, to, to allow Queensland in in game two and then to completely turn it up like they did in game three... I mean, collectively, that's a pretty solid choke, I think. Yeah, look, look, here's what I'm saying. I think it's about an 8 out of 10 choke, and I think the Greg Norman was about a 10 out of 10. <laughs> the Greg, that's that's Greg, all I mean. Greg Norman at, at the at the Masters was... That's that's 11, that's 12 big, out of 10. As, that's as big a choke as I've seen. Yeah, no, um, no. So, first of all, Red Kev, thank you for all your questions over the years, mate. You've been fantastic, yeah, and, yeah. and some of these questions were great. It, 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 is a, it is a world-class choke, but I don't put it in the Greg Norman one. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Dan Ray at DRRay81. Origin question, where to now for New South Wales and is the only chink in the Queenslanders' armour a lack of captaincy material post-Cameron Smith? Oh, two really good questions now. I, uh, I, reckon, I, reckon, I reckon whatever, whatever is, whoever is leading, leading New South Wales forward, I reckon they've actually got to put a bit of a broom through the price. Yeah, yep. Yeah. No, I, I don't I disagree think, there. I think, I think, I think there's I think, a few guys there that need to have their papers stamped for the time being. No, I agree. I think there's about three or four players, possibly more, that, that I think the sun has set and it's just time yeah. to move on. They, they are who they are. They're making the same mistakes they were two, three years ago, and I think it's time to move on from three or four individuals. I've already stated that I think we should move on from a coach. I think that is enough change. I yeah. think there's there's the nuts and bolts there of a very good team, so I don't want wholesale changes because there's some yeah. very, very good players in that New South Wales team. I think the right coach, the right structure, and three or four changes... Um, and in particular, I'm looking at a Blake Ferguson, who I think continues to be found out in defence on the wing and continues yeah. to make mistakes. I think possibly Jared Haynes' yeah. time might I was come. Say, I think Jared um, Haynes was really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. It, I, this is really going to yeah. shock you. I think they should probably move on from Mitchell Pearce. Yeah, Aaron, 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 Aaron Woods. I'll throw in there as well. And I would be Aaron Woods probably biggest detractor. I think yeah. he makes soft meters and I, th- I think those three or four players and a coach, I think that's enough because I think there's there's a framework there. In terms of Cameron Smith's leadership, that's got to be one of the most underrated parts of Queensland's dynasty is just how good he is just, as a leader. Just hold, just hold that thought for a minute. Just back on New South Wales just for a second. I completely yep. agree with you and, and you don't want to fall into the point where if you make so much change it's actually not clear what has been the catalyst for being effective, if that if that makes yep. sense. So if you you know if you change the coach and all the assistants, and you use a different bus, and you stay at a different hotel, and you drop ten players, 
if it works next year, you don't know actually what has made the difference. Yeah, so. and, and you've you've mentioned that before with the Wallabies. Yeah. I think it is. If you make too many sweeping changes, you can't actually identify what was yeah. wrong. But if you yeah. look at James Tedesco, is a very good Origin player. He's had a great Origin career in the four games he's played. I think Jimmy Maloney's had a fantastic Origin career. He was bad last Wednesday night, and he didn't finish game too well. But he's been one of New South Wales' best. Yeah. I think Nathan Peets has shown what a, a a hooker that plays direct and doesn't yeah. try to gamble too much. So I think there's a nice spine there. I think the back row, Josh Jackson, Boyd Corner is awesome. Uh, Tyson Frizzell's like that, you yeah, know, Dave Clammer off the there. bench. There's a lot of good things there to work with. They shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, yeah. So on to the second part of Dan's question there. Mm-hmm. Is 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 Queens is the is the only chink in Queensland that the lack of captaincy material post Cameron Smith? I, I think I think this is actually a really good point. And Post Cameron Smith might not necessarily be next year. It might not even be in 2019. We don't know when mm. this period is, but there isn't an, an immediate successor lining up. If if Cameron Smith was reti- had announced his retirement on Wednesday night, I'd straight away throw up Cooper Cronk as his replacement. And, and yeah, I, he, and I think, but I he think, might not be there next year either. He yeah, might be retiring th- as well. But I think I think Cronk has fairly obviously left the door open now. Mm. So yeah, but the door was never closed. That's no, why I don't quite understand that he's all he said is he's moving to Sydney. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, he wants to be yeah. near his fiance. Yeah. So Can't you know, the, the retirement talk is a little bit. I'm not sure where it's come from, but yeah. obviously there, there is some talk there. You're right. There is no obvious skipper. There is no obvious replacement. Um, but it's it's and not I a problem. I don't think. Yeah, go. I was going to say someone who who stands out. Well. And I, I, I realise I've just said that after saying that there is no standout. Someone like Matt Gillette probably shapes as as like the Queensland equivalent of Boyd Cordner. He's not yep. necessarily captain of his club, but he's already a decent leader. Yep. So yep. he'd he'd be one. Um, I couldn't think of another one off the top of my head, I have to admit. No, look, I don't know what Darius Boyd or Cameron Munster's leadership abilities are like. Mm. Um, you know, they haven't had to worry about this for a while because Cameron Smith's been there for, for a very long time. So it's, it's a very good question, actually. Very yeah, good question. Yeah, it is. It is. I suspect it won't be Sam Thiday, given that he won't even be to <laughs> Brisbane next year. So that's interesting in itself. Yeah. Uh, Red Kev is back. How do New South Wales go about rebuilding an origin team? We've sort of touched on this. Name your 2018 New South Wales origin spine. <laughs> and he's put in brackets, and for God's sake, nominate a captain in there. <laughs> so so we're talking 1679. So yeah, look, if, look, if, look, I've, I kind if, of... I've, if I've read between the... If I've heard what you're saying there, you're saying Tedesco, Maloney, Peets, all stay. Yeah, I'm totally happy and with I those three. Like, and that, so... I'm not only happy, I think that is a very good-looking spine. You know, they yeah. weren't perfect throughout the series. Oh, well, Tedesco is close to perfect, to be fair. But I think Pete's will learn a lot from his first yeah. Origin series. And Jimmy Maloney was very, very good and yeah. has been in his Origin career. He's actually had a very underrated Origin career. Yeah. Now, I know he's not a seven, but if they can find a, a, a good halfback next so year, I think, I, think that's sign, I think that spine's solid. I don't think that captain has to come from there either, to be honest. I, I actually think Cordner did a pretty reasonable job as yeah, look, I'd, I'd, I'd leave him there so would I the only issue with Cordner is I think sometimes you do need and, and this is the problem not having a halfback who's a tactical I wouldn't say genius but even tactically solid it doesn't always have, have to be the captain it has to be yeah. tactically solid but when your captain's not necessarily that type of guy and your halfback doesn't lead the team around the park it does create yeah. a leadership vacuum yeah. and I think New South Wales felt that um, yeah. so hopefully they can find a halfback to kind of fill that void so, so who's your options Who's the halfback well, options? 
Well, look, Adam Reynolds hasn't had a very good year. I'm hoping no. he can bounce back because he's still relatively young. Uh, there's been talk of Cleary, but there's yeah. already talk that he's too young. Uh, maybe he's Moylan only, what, he's can be... 19, isn't he? Yeah, maybe Matt Moylan can be... Can be you, know, you could even pick Moylan at six and move Maloney to seven, to be honest. Oh, so oh, there's, there's some I, options I there. I think I'd rather play a 20-year-old Nathan Cleary, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, that's yeah. fine. I can't... But, but, but he's... He, he's the only one that I would be willing to throw up. I, I don't think there's any other New South Wales eligible half. Like there's no, there's, there isn't a New South Wales equivalent of Daly Cherry Evans out there no, who, who is, no. you know, in outstanding form. But just... <laughs> if there was, he'd be captain coach of New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fair. That's a fair point too. Um, Moore's uh, at underscore. Oh, sorry, at, at Moore underscore L who I believe you know well, uh, should the NRL just get rid of the stripping rule and call it lack of ball security? Uh, it's a contentious call, this yeah. one, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a number of calls where, depending on which team you're going for, you could claim bad ball security or you could claim that the, the defenders were raking. Yeah. I think there does have to be a greater responsibility upon the attacking player for ball security. But if a guy's got his hand in there and is ripping at the ball, um, the rule is that you can't do that. So, yeah. you know, the, unless they want to change the rule, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively happy with how it's yeah. um, policed at the moment. And that's not to say it's perfect, but it's always going to be a contentious call. I don't... I don't think you can get rid of it because I, th- I think that just opens up, you know, such massive room to exploit it. Yeah, and it's not even that exploit it. It's the fact if you open that up, it, it can become quite ugly, the game, yeah, because yeah, yeah, players yeah. will try to do that a lot more and it just kind of, uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it just makes the game a bit scrappy. If having, having said that, and I've thought this for a long time, I think the game is moving to a point where there will be no such thing as knock on or knock back it will just be a case of if you lose the ball, it's a turn, it's a handover. Yeah, I, th- I think we're heading that way, and I think there's been a, you know, particularly this year, but in the last probably five or six years, um, if we think about, it, there's been a lot of what would normally look like, you know, knockbacks have been called up. Yeah, so I, I think we're heading heading straight towards a, a, it'll just be a drop ball rule. Mm. Thanks for that question, Moors, who is my wife's auntie. I was going to say, I was pretty sure there's a family link here, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. So good thing you answered that well, mate. <laughs> Dan Ray has popped up with our last league question, and yep. I'm I'm really glad this came up, I've got to say. He said he said finally, and I'll just, pre, I'll just precurse it by saying that he has said in brackets, I expect the music. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, who's this week's premiership favourite? Ta-da! <laughs> oh, that's oh, awesome. Fantastic. Good on you, uh, Look, as a, as a New South Wales bland, a fan who has just watched Billy Slater, Cameron Munster, mm. Cameron Smith, and Cooper Cronk absolutely annihilate the New South Wales Blues, how could you pick anyone yeah. but the Melbourne Storm? They're, are they four points on top now? Yeah, I think so. So they've yeah. just come through the origin period without, so without, t- without you know, the, big, the best players of the generation. And they're four points clear already. <laughs> yeah. And they made the grand final last year. 
Yeah. So yeah. it's not like we're talking. So the two points clear, mate. Shut, shut the gate, Dan. That question's done. <laughs> <laughs> mate, we're going to move on to uh, to rugby, and this is Fantastic. going to be a marathon session. <laughs> um, Digby Ross over the ditch in Wellington at Digger Kane on Twitter, the first of many here. Has the power base for on-field performance across the board shifted toward the Northern Hemisphere? And he's talking in an international sense, obviously. Yep. After the Lions drew with the uh, the All Blacks last month, yes, I don't think so. Don't you? No, I, I don't think so. so I, I actually think I, I think it's I think it's definitely well on the way. Okay, can we define what power base means then? Well, so here's here's how I'll say it. If you look at the Southern Hemisphere, you're basically talking the four teams and and the, yep. Pacific, and the Pacific Islands, basically. South Africa's sort of on their way back up. Australia's still a bit up and down. Argentina's still a bit up and down. New Zealand are the best in the the world by a long way. You look in the Northern Hemisphere, England are a very clear number two and and getting better. Uh, Ireland is now number three in the world and, and playing some pretty good rugby in the last 18 months. Scotland are vastly improved. Um, you know, if, if Wales, lift their game and, and there's signs that they can do that, then I think all of a sudden there's, you know, there's there's four, there's, there's already three pretty good teams there now. And if you're throwing to the mix um, a French team who on any given day could do anything, uh, I, I, rec- I reckon the, the power base has moved a bit. Look, I think if you're talking about what percentage of teams make up the IRB ladder in the top five, is it Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere, then yes, the Northern Hemisphere of the power base. But if you're talking more about who's the best team in the world and who influences the way that every other team plays and who's the team that everyone yeah. looks forward to touring, who, who looks forward to touring there, it's still New Zealand by a country mile. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. That I can't argue with. So I guess it just depends on the power base. If that is what you meant, is there a shift in power in terms of who are the top four or five teams, then yes, it's unequivocally the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. For the for the record, uh, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa are, the, are in the top five. Really? Still? Yeah, still. Yeah, Australia's okay. still fourth, surprisingly. <laughs> that won't last. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, su- okay. I suspect it. Well, okay, well very, then I'll very different them. by midway through the uh, through the rugby championship. Mm. So yeah, good question though. Very good question. Good question. Uh, Red Kev is back. The Lions tour was some of the best rugby of the last decade, but it was marred by borderline refereeing decisions at impactful moments. How do you view the Jerome Garcia's call to award the penalty at the end of game two and the Roman Point call to award the final scrum in game three? I'll I'll say to start with that. The Roman Point call definitely had a bigger impact. So, so to, to the point where I think it basically renders Jerome Garcia's call in in game two, you know, redundant. almost irrelevant. Certainly redundant. Yeah, yeah. Um, points called. I mean, I, I, and this has been discussed on, <laughs> yeah, on, on on every show in the last. You know, on every show in the Southern Hemisphere and probably the Northern Hemisphere in the last two weeks. But yeah. how you get to a point from, um, you know, this is what I'm seeing. Are you agreeing with me, TMO and assistant refs? Yep, we're all in agreements. Okay, good. Penalty to then walking back to the mark and saying scrum. That's what I think 
no one can quite get their head around. Well, I, if you can, then you're as insane as the call itself, because there, yeah. there is no there is no rationalising that decision. No. It, it, it will remain one of the most baffling yeah. rugby decisions in the history of the yeah. game for yeah. for two hundred years, honestly. Yeah. Now, now, and it was it was it was interesting that the first thing they cleared about it all was Kieran Reid's challenge in the air, and I think there's actually a a really strong Ow. argument to say that 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 could have been a penalty in, in its in itself. I, I, I that, think that's the only thing that brings it back for me. I, I know the actual by the letter of the law he made the wrong decision on the offside. Yes. but the fact that Reed did impede or, or did touch yeah. the player in the air kind of makes it feel like mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's been there's been so many examples like like Reed's where he was beaten to the jump, and the ruling there is that he's then not in a position to compete and to contest. Yep. And he's then clattered into Liam Williams and knocked him over, and then the whole offside thing happened. Yeah. So there's there's I'll, no I'll, yeah. I would say my, my memories of that series are so positive, so strong. I enjoyed it yeah, so great. much that it didn't mar it for me. And I know Red yeah, Kev, no, you, you may yeah. disagree. It yeah. just it doesn't because I, I'm always going to have fond memories. Now, if I supported one of those two teams, I think I'd feel differently. Yeah. And I'll admit that. But from an objective point of view, I enjoyed that series so much that it obviously, it honestly didn't mar it for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I can't, I can't uh, underline that point any more than by saying I don't have a whole lot of 2017 games on my IQ box at the moment, but I've still got the three lines tests. Yeah, right. There you go. So there's, I think there's one Super Rugby game from earlier in the year and I can't even remember which one it is and that's about it. Your wife's yeah. taping over it as we speak. <laughs> or deleting it as we speak. <laughs> yeah, got to make room for Paw Patrol or something like that. <laughs> uh, moving in towards uh, towards Super Rugby, uh, Digger Kane is back. Are the Brumbies any chance on Friday night? Uh, the Brumbies being the top Australian Conferences team host the Hurricanes, who finished, I don't know, with five more wins or whatever. And we've we all know that the Super Rugby format is a little bit of a oh, mess. Oh, really? I haven't yeah. heard that. Uh, you haven't heard it. Don't, <laughs> don't pick up a New Zealand paper in the next month. Uh, are the Brumbies any chance? Um, oh, look, they're in the game, so they're yep. a chance by that by that front. They're 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 fifty fifty at kickoff. Uh, that is not what I have on Sportsbet. I don't have it <laughs> at all. What, um, no, what, what is it? What I is it on Sportsbet? Just, just. No, I will look. You, will you talk and I'll look. But I, 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 of course, you give them a chance yeah. at this time of year. Anything can happen in a game, but it's so, not a very big chance. No, no, it's it's. I, I'm not confident when I say this, but I think there's there was elements from the Brumbies game on Friday night. Uh, sorry, on, on last weekend against the Chiefs, that I think can work against the Hurricanes, particularly uh, the way they were able to slow the Chiefs down at, at points last week. I think that that can have a real effect against mm-hmm. against the Hurricanes, and the Brumbies scrum, scrum has been pretty strong this year, and I think that can be uh, a bit of a, a bit of a weapon against uh, against the Canes as well. That's probably the one chink in the Canes' armour is that their scrum has been a bit up and down this year. So that's mm-hmm. I think there's a definite opportunity there if, if it if it's if it's wet and I say this you know as a rugby fan not as a sideline commentator who would be sitting in it but if it's, <laughs> if it's wet that sort of even things up a bit of course uh, it does yeah and, and that that will certainly help but the Brumbies are going to have to be accurate 
they're going to have to be they're going to have to minimise yeah you know, any mistakes. They can't miss anywhere near as many tackles as they did against the, uh, the the Chiefs last week because there is no better team in in the competition to hurt you on turnover than than uh, than the Hurricanes. Um, and they'll have to be able to take advantage of any uh, turnovers they get themselves. Yep. Look, the Brumbies are paying four seventy five on sports bet. So Oof, if anyone wants Jesus. to place a bet with Brett to have the Hurricanes at two dollars, that's that's very good value. <laughs> Jesus, I mean four seventy five so, in a two in a two horse race at home, you'd be you'd have to be tempted if you were a betting man. Hurricanes are paying a dollar nineteen. Oh, that high. Mm. I bet it's <laughs> I bet it's um I, I bet it's less on, on the New Zealand bookies. I bet it's less less over there, and I bet by Friday they'll be into a dollar five or something like that. Uh, Dan Ray came back and he said he started telling us a bit of a story. I think he said I, I kept starting a Wallabies slash Australian rugby question and then give up. It's best summarised as Australian rugby WTF. <laughs> so I'll just ask who's going to win Super Rugby uh, and why. Uh, hint, not Brumbies in brackets is what he says. Um, <laughs> D- Digger, Digger, Digger actually asked the same thing. Uh, what does Who does Ryan Oak think will win Super Rugby and why? Mm-hmm. Uh, I originally had the Crusaders yeah. um, as a team that I thought was going to win. I think that back row obviously is mightily impressive, but I just love the Barrett boys, uh, yeah. particularly Bowden. I just think he, if ever there's a definition of a game winner, it's him. Yeah. Um, excluding obviously the last two Lions games, yeah, um, excluding, but excluding two recent examples where yeah, he didn't. Yeah, yeah. but I, I just, uh, I, you know, I just love watching him play. I, th- I love his acceleration off the mark. I love his vision, oh, yeah. um, and I think he's probably raring to get back to Super Rugby and, and kind of put that Lions series in some respects, not in the rear yeah. view mirror, but kind of learn from it and get back to playing slightly lesser opposition with more free flowing open rugby. And I, that's why I think the Hurricanes will take it out. But he was. He was he was a late withdrawal last week too. Yes, against, he was. against the Crusaders. So yep. yeah, I can't I can't argue with that too much, except to say, I think the Lions are a massive chance now that they've finished. Yeah, first. You rate them, don't you? Yeah, I do, I do. And now that they finish first and have got hosting rights the whole way through, mm-hmm. that just swings yeah, things fair. towards them massively. Yeah, um, that's true. That's fair. So. I, I, I think you liked them before they had home home court advantage. Home court, <laughs> home home court advantage. Wow. <laughs> That's a basketballer in me coming out. Yeah. But you, you rated them well before they yeah, actually I, had home field advantage all the way through. I, I, I thought I, I thought they would they would top that Africa Two conference fairly comfortably, and they've done that. And 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 I said at the start of the year that if they can finish top two, they'll take some beating. If they can sneak into into first, they'll they've got to start favourite in, in every game. I think so. Um, you know, and and if they happen to win through and host the final, who who they play will be interesting because I'm not sure the Hurricanes travel that well. But if the Crusaders got there, they'd be a decent chance. Yeah. So yep. yeah, we'll we'll see. Now, there's a few questions along similar sorts of themes here. Now, uh, Will Sinclair's first of the night at Sinclair underscore Will, and I've got to say. Will's performance during the Origins was not unlike New South Wales. He used to be really, really entertaining during State of Origins for rants, but I thought he was a bit off this year, so, you know. He's a Queenslander now, that's why. Well, yeah, that's, that's what it boils down to. Um, Super Rugby used to be brilliant, he said. Uh, what needs to be done to save the competition and what will actually be done? Oh. 
meaty question there, Will. Yeah. What needs to be done to save the competition? The problem with this, all this, is that I I don't know that Sansa, and and by Sansa I obviously mean the four unions, I I don't know that the four unions actually know what they want from Super Rugby anymore. um, Yeah. Because it's different in all four cases. Yeah, there's different motivations between the different unions. And and if there's ever been one consistency about rugby and rugby politics, it's that self-interest always rules out, always wins out. It doesn't so, matter what level of rugby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So what needs to be done to save the competition? Well, I, I, th- I think I think the competition's at a real crossroads and, and that particular phrase is front of mind at the moment because I'm writing about it currently. Um, <laughs> but but I, th- I just think we're at the point where, you know, yes, there was decisions made back in March, but if that same discussions were had now, would... Would Sansar as a collective body reach the, reach the same decisions? And, and I'm not sure they would because I don't think now that South Africa have played a couple of cards and, and they're going to start moving teams to the north, which has been threatened for 10 years. I don't think what Sansar can afford and Super Rugby can afford now is to be losing teams, uh, like particularly in, in, in Australia around this time zone, which is basically going to be the foundation for the future competition I think yeah yeah I mean as you, as you said there's there's different agendas um, and, and it changes as well it's not like everyone's got their own agenda and that's yeah. the issue is that there's four different agendas it's the individual agendas change as well yeah. um, and the other thing is we're kind of slightly I'm not sure bias is the right word, but we're certainly influenced by the fact that Australian rugby is not doing so well. Yeah, 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 I no think doubt. New Zealand's biggest issue will be the, the, the conference structure and the fact that yeah. you know teams do a lot better than the Brumbies, but the Brumbies host a final. Other than that, you don't hear too much complaining from New Zealand, obviously. Yeah. Um, so we need to obviously add in the impact of just Australian rugby being down in the doldrums at the moment. And if, yeah. if, if, that, if Super Rugby becomes a whipping boy because of that... Yeah. So I think you kind of need to look at cause and effect in that respect. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they have kind of cooked the golden goose, haven't they? I, yeah, I, I think, that, I think there's like too that. many teams. Yeah. I think there's too many teams. I think it's too hard to oh, follow. Okay. No, I, I think, you know, a lot of people say that's a cop-out. And, yeah. you know, there's 32 teams in the NBA or 31 teams in the NBA. It's not too hard to follow there. Well, that's right, but there's just two conferences. So it actually is very easy to follow yeah. the NBA. Um, two concurrent competitions. Exactly, and then yeah. the, the winners meet in the grand final. It's actually yeah. very easy to follow. And um, so, we, we, so we touched on this before, and I made the point earlier in the year that if they if they chop teams and change the conference structure and everything's better next year, then what was actually, you know, that, what, what made the difference? You're so, right. That was actually what you were talking about yeah. when you well, made no, the, and, and I, the Wallabies. I, and, well, no, I applied it to the Wallabies as well. For, right, for okay. Enough, so, but, but, it's, but it's all valid. And so... Um, you know, and, and and hands off on Twitter. Ask the same sort of thing. You know, what does Sanzar need to do now in order for Super Rugby to survive this current crisis? I think we're at the point now where the, where where the only thing we definitely know is that there are sixteen teams currently expecting to play Super Rugby next year. Mm-hmm. What I what I'd really like to happen now, and, and and maybe even TV locally can drive this. If what if if what happened now happened now was that all stakeholders got together again and they said, look, we've got sixteen teams, we can play one round of of you know one round of round robin essentially. Everyone plays yep. everyone. It's fifteen games. Play a top eight if you want. So you've got three weeks of finals. The season is no longer than it is now. 
and there's no conferences. It's just simple. And and if that happened for the rest of this current TV deal, which I think's got another two or three seasons to run, yeah, I'd be pretty happy with that. And what's what's preventing that from happening? <sighs> self interest, mate. Yeah, but what what, what exactly? But what exactly is the self interest? What are yeah. people worried about with that structure? Because I I love the sound of that. Yeah, uh, I I think I, I'm actually not sure that TV would want that because I think right. local, local derbies is still going to right, be right. Gotcha, what, gotcha. What what rate? No, you're better. right. Um, yep, no, you're right. If if suddenly South Africa said, you know what, we're going to go to go to go to pro, the Pro Twelve competition completely, and and what we're left with is you know the ten. Australian New Zealand teams, then, then I think, I think those those derby concerns aren't quite so 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 bad because you know whether well, you'd be playing everyone anyway. Yeah, yeah, you do that, and, and you know if you doubled up or whatever, I don't think it would actually make a whole lot of difference. But the issue basically is that particularly for Fox Sports in Australia and Sky Sport in New Zealand, it's that showing games at three o'clock in the morning, yeah, is you know is is basically pointless for them they make nothing from it so I, I think that's probably what stops the, the the single conference thing but don't they make a lot of money from selling rights to places like London oh sorry London yeah, like the yeah, UK yeah, that, the, you, the UK and Europe uh, the UK in particular was, was where the, the, the massive uh, revenue increase came from this time around so yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah, who 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 knows? Look, I, I know this is oversimplifying it, but you need to make the call whether money's more important or growing your game and doing yeah. what's right in the in the short term. Yeah. Because the, the money's useless if you don't do the right things with it, and, the, and AIU certainly hasn't been doing the right thing with the money that they earn. So no, you know, no, they've admitted, these they've things admitted, these things are not easy. They've, these things are not simple, obviously. No, no they've, they've admitted themselves that they've been spending more than they've had. So, uh, Will Sinclair says, says, does the future of South African rugby lie in the Northern Hemisphere? Uh, at a provincial level, at, at the franchise level, I think it almost certainly does. And I think, as, as we've just sort of touched on, I think the mm. fact that they, back in March, said that they couldn't really afford to run four teams, and now they're saying not only can we run four teams, not, not only can we run six teams, but we're now going to do it across two competitions in two seasons... I think that absolutely says that South Africa are eyeing a northern exit, uh, and yep. if and if and, and I think, you know, maybe within the next two or three years potentially, and it might be what's best for everyone. Yeah, yeah. How, how it all? I mean, I mean, the world rugby's moves towards a global season will will help that if we can get a get to a point where the seasons are somewhat aligned, um, and and I don't mean. That the northern hemisphere plays in the southern hemisphere's summer or anything like that, but if that you know there's there's windows for you know that it all sort of works basically where yep. you haven't got this you know, yep. mixed match of things now, I think that will definitely help the the South African system. Yep. Uh, Galpo, do you remember, remember Lloyd used to send us questions yeah. all the time? Uh, Lloyd yep. Galpo seventy eight. Uh, which Australian super team are you guessing will be cut and why? Well, I reckon this changes weekly. <laughs> oh, um, the Twiggy Forest backing. Yeah, I, th- I think changes a lot. I think that's huge. Look, I've, I've been I've been saying that I think it should be the Rebels that that goes if if one has to go, and and I've I've stated that from from day one in this situation. Um, nothing has cha- nothing has changed my mind about that. But Andrew Forrest now getting on board for um uh, for for the Western Force that just 
oh, I think that just solidifies their case so much, mm-hmm. so much yep. more now. Um, I agree. To the to the point to the point now where I mean they still go through the mediation at the end of July, um, but him now being involved, I think actually accelerates the process a little bit. Yep, agree. I think. Um, well, I think they're in their box seat now. To survive, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Will Sinclair sort of t- asking the same sort of thing. What does Twiggy Forest's extraordinary on-field address for the force mean for the AAU's plan to cut a team? Ka-ching. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, that's it. And and, and I get that there's, there's really valid questions floating around over the weekend saying, yeah, why now? Where, where was he, you know, two weeks ago? Where was he three months ago when this all mm-hmm. popped out? Yeah, where was he... 18 months ago when the when the force's financial situation became as dire as it was they're all really valid questions but mm-hmm. I don't think it matters so much now the, I think the most important thing now is that he's there and yeah. if financial s- sustainability was one of the key indicators for, um, for, Look, if, for the if, ARU then that, that's that's no longer a concern for, I'll tell you what if, if a white knight rides into your life don't complain about his punctuality <laughs> That is a very good line that I'm going to use later for my own. <laughs> um, Ivan uh, Gavazov, sorry, Gavazov, uh, and Ivan's, uh, Ivan's a massive Brumbies fan in Cameron. I've just butchered his name, and I'm very, very sorry, Ivan. What would Sanzar do if the ARU admits they can't colour team for 2018? Any idea what their legal options are? I don't know if they would have too many legal options because all the teams have got participation agreements that says they're in it for the next three years. So, But... I mean, I've wondered this for a while. What does what Sanzar collectively do if the ARU walks in and says, guess what, we've still got five teams? Look, oh. in terms of picking a fight, you pick a fight against the person you can beat. The ARU has to pick the smaller fight. They cannot try to take on Sanzar. That is just a recipe for disaster. They need to pick who, whichever franchise that they're going to cull. That is the, the fight that they're going to have to um, look after. But, but see, but see Sanzar as a, as a body now, particularly given that one quarter of that body is now actively moving teams to different competitions. Yeah. One quarter of the body is the ARU, and, then, and another quarter of the body is Argentina, who have only been a full member of Sanzar for a few years. I don't think Sanzar as a collective body is anywhere near this big bad wolf that is they're sometimes made out to be. The, the, fa- the fact that they had to say... We would only like fifteen teams, and we would only like four from from South Africa and four from Australia. And you work out which the four are. I, I think the fact that they that they put it that way shows that they don't. But surely ego has to come into it, and to go back with your tail between your legs to New Zealand, South Africa, and Argentina. And go, oh, oh yeah, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, we're having a bit of internal strife, so yeah. we're going to have five teams now. Like they are not going to, you know, rugby people better yeah, than yeah, I do. Yeah. That there is, there's, they're not going to do that. They're yeah, just flat out not well, going to do that. I see. I, I wonder about that. And 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 again, we we talk about we talk about deadlines, and because we're getting closer and closer to the point where Sanzo just go, you know what? We just need to make a competition for next year, for God's sake. Because if they if this carries on, it'll be February and March, and. How you know, the hell has this not been sorted out? Uh, yet? Well, and this is and this is entirely the point. So yeah, we 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 have to be getting to that point where they've just got to say, all right, status quo has to stay. We we have no other option but to to carry on with what we've got. And you know, 
and and they'll go. So who who knows? What will Sanzo do? I I don't know. (laughs) Historically, when Sanzo have been confronted with a difficult decision, and if there's no consensus, the fallback has always been the status quo. Mm, yeah, no, I, I don't so, disagree. But geez, if it gets to that, what a disgrace and what stress and yeah. what what you know pressure you've put all these people under to oh. then just go. Ah, oh, you know what? Yeah. We're just going to stay the same. Yeah, like, what an absolute and, farce. And Australia would lose a massive amount of face, no doubt. But oh. uh, you know, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Digger Kane says, uh, "Is the 2017 Super season for the Australian size a once-off, or can you see more pain in the future?" Um, oh, I could answer this question two ways. <laughs> How is that fence up your butt? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like that. Like, you would like to think that surely things couldn't get any worse, and surely teams would have to start realising that, you know what, we do have to be, we do have to be fitter, and we do have to be... Um, you know, more ruthless at turnover, and we do have to fix our skill levels, and we do have to minimise the mistakes. I mean, you, you would think that they would realise that themselves, not to make the adjustments. But knowing Australian rugby like we do, <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I'd, I'd like to think that there's a there's a number of teams and a number of players that can play better next year. My issue is, I think Super Rugby has become an advertisement or a microcosm of all that is wrong with Australian rugby at the moment. I think yeah. it's finally started to filter down to the way that teams play on the field. There's yeah. been issues at a governance level, at the way the game is run, the disconnect between club rugby and, and, and you know, the, the, yeah, the ARU. Yeah. I think that's all starting to have an impact on the play on the field. And that makes me scared that, well, clearly things, to our previous question, clearly things haven't improved in that respect. Yeah. So does that mean that we're still just seeing the byproduct of all these years Years of, um, you know, discontent. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't argue the point of any of that. It's, I mean, the, uh, yeah. the Waratahs were disgraceful on Saturday night. Yeah, they, they well, were then, absolutely uh, disgraceful. And, and so, I, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on one team. Uh, but you oh, know. They, were, they were ordinary. They were, they were really, really ordinary. Uh, yep. Th- and that was, I mean, there's been some ordinary Australian performances this year, but that's right down there. What about the record we have against against New Zealand teams? Oh no, it's uh, not New Zealand teams. It's well, all overseas oh, it's, teams, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's been collectively Australia has been doing worse against overseas teams every season since the start of Super Twelve. But um, aren't we zero and twenty six this year? Zero and twenty five against New Zealand teams New, alone. New Zealand teams, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The record against South Africa is better than that, but that's not saying much. Um, <laughs> someone beat the Kings. <laughs> I think it's... No, well, no, so the, the, the Brumbies won a... Queensland won a game over there. Oh, I'm now, getting, now, I'm getting, now I'm starting to guess. But I think it's, you know, pl- it's maybe one in three, you know, give or take. Because the, cause the, cause the South African teams came here and didn't, did, didn't do that well. Yeah. Too, except the Kings. So, sorry, we kind of got a little bit off track there. Uh, can uh, we see more in the future? Look! Look! I, yes. I, I, I can. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. I, yeah. I'd like to think there's a, there's enough talent that we can kind of improve on this year, but yeah. that doesn't mean it can't happen again next year. I know we would we would have been saying a lot of the similar things last year, um, and, and look what happened this year. Uh, hands off wonders: Can the Waratahs improve next season under the same coach, or should there be a change? Um, 
I'd be happy for there to be a change, but he's still got a year to go. And with the financial issues that Australian rugby is under, I don't think they can be paying a coach to sit on the sideline. So I no. think Gibson will be there next year. Yeah. But he he needs to have some soul searching. You know, maybe he yeah. needs to have some assistant coach brought in to. Well, and, and, of... there, and there will be change there because Nathan Gray's moving on to the, to the Wallabies full time, and that's the yep. subject of another question very shortly. Um, so there will be change there. Uh, they've already indicated that there will be, you know, anywhere up to a third of the squad. Yeah. Probably won't be there next next season, which yeah. is... I, I think Gibson will be there, though. Yeah, I, I don't think there'll be a change of coach. Um, but yeah. should there be? Um, oh, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of second coaches. You know, you know that... I, I think, I think if he's only got one year to go, see it out. Yeah, yeah, and you can probably make a decision on whether he is renewed next year or not by round five. Yeah, maybe, maybe even sooner. Yep. Uh, Hoy at Burramol on Twitter. At what stage will Australian rugby realise our structure sucks? Coaches, <laughs> channels, etc. Can we keep living in denial? Well, the answer to that is very obviously no. Um, and I think this year has been the stage where Australian rugby has realised that the structures suck. Um, I think the appointment over the weekend of, of Rod Kafer as a sort of a special projects um, overseer within the high performance unit, pr- primarily looking at um, you know fixing up and simplifying the pathways and upskilling coaches and all that sort of stuff. I think that's a really big step. Um, if in conjunction with that, Mick Byrne can get a bit of a national skills improvement program going, I think that's going to be long overdue. Um, you know, Mario Ledesma is doing pretty decent work around the country in terms of fixing scrums, and I think, generally speaking, most teams' scrums, been, scrums have been, you know, better than average. Mm-hmm. So... I, I think we're at that point now, and and there's changes I think are being made. Yep, which is good. Yep. Uh, Adam Vinning at Left Ark on Twitter. Alan Jones coaching the Barbars against the Wallabies this year. What can possibly go wrong? This is going to be one of those classic um, double-edged swords. I'll, if, I'll tell you exactly what can go wrong. Yeah, it, yeah. Is they the, can, is they the can Barbars win. can win, yeah. and then everyone goes, "Oh, let's make Alan Jones coach." Yeah, That's exactly, exactly what can exactly go wrong. I mean, I mean, you talk. We talked about self-interest there before. Alan Jones making that massive, big proclamation on Saturday, you know, accept, accepting a huge new rugby challenge, and it's coaching the Barbarians for a week. Yeah, or a massive. Even Clarkie on the on the broadcast, the Force Waratahs game is massive news in Australian rugby. Is Alan Jones will be coaching the Barbars? That is not massive news for no. Australian rugby. No, no, they sort. Yeah, I mean that was just the biggest. Most underwhelming. Most <laughs> underwhelming. Was... Oh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Look, um, that is the worst thing that's that can happen. That's the worst happen. thing that can happen. Yep. That's the worst thing that can happen. Uh, a digger cane. Can the Wallabies put together a positive season for 2017? Uh, so. It's a bit late. <laughs> they're two from, two from three so far. They've got to play South Africa and Argentina twice. So there's another four. They've got to play New Zealand three times. This is not seven, that's ten, and there's four games at the end of series, so 14. They're two and three now. 
Yeah, they can put together a positive season. Even if positive they lose, well, even if they lose all three games to to New Zealand, that's still still only five lo- uh, uh, well four losses for the year. Oh, you're going quite mathematical on the positive. I thought yeah. I was, thought no, we were no, talking I'm, like I'm being quite literal on the positive. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll go. La- I'll go lateral, and even if we lose all three games, the All Blacks. So long as there's some type of progression or some type of development, some yeah. type of sense that there is a plan that we are starting to move towards, that would be positive for me. If we get blown out all three games, and the structure's not there, and there's different game plans, and you don't really feel like the Wallabies have a style of play yeah. or that they're 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 advancing, that would be um, a major negative for me. Yeah, yeah, I I, I can't. I can't disagree with that. I, th- I think we, you know, and, and Australia and New Zealand links are, are, are very obvious, but I think the point, you know, I mean, even even the Washington Generals must have got sick of playing, <laughs> playing the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and equally, people must have, get, got, must have got sick of them of saying, surely this is their night. Um, and, but, and, and the point in all that is that, you know, sometimes we've sort of just got to stop worrying about New Zealand and just worry about, being the wallet. Yeah, no, I get that. I get so, that. So, I, I think there's an opportunity there. I mean, as, as I said before, you know, South Africa is, is is on the improve, but they're still, you know, a little bit flaky. Argentina's situation isn't necessarily that much better than than the Wallabies. And then the end of year tour is at this stage: Japan, Wales, England, Scotland. Now, England's going to be the biggest test in that, and, and I suppose Scotland to a degree as well at Murrayfield. Um, but you know. If there's improvement along the way, even if they lost the Bledisloe three nil, and you know, even if they lost then to England as well on tour, like you say, like if there's signs, that's you know, if that means we're lowering the bar, then we're lowering the bar. But I think at this point in time, you sort of got to do that a little bit. No, I, I think you have to lower the bar because the bars are already pretty low. So I yeah. think you need to be realistic rather than um, you know hopeful. Yeah. Tyson at Tyson underscore twit on Twitter. Should Nathan Gray and Stephen Larkin be anywhere near the Wallabies coaching staff? Are they even good enough for uh, for Super Rugby? Now, I'll just preface this by saying I've had a few Twitter discussions with Tyson over over the last few months, and I'm sure there's a fair chunk of this question is basically trolling. However, <laughs> trolling. Yeah, enough. yeah. No, well, you can prove me wrong. <laughs> the, but the, but the question is is reasonable given the defensive performance of the Waratahs this year um, mm-hmm. and the attacking performance of the Rumbies this year. Uh, are they good enough for Super Rugby? Yeah, they are. They are. Should they be anywhere near the Wallabies coaching staff? Well, the thing there I'd say there is that the big difference now is that as of the first weekend of August they're no longer Super Rugby coaches. And that alone should be signs for improvement should and should give cause for improvement. Yep, look, they're definitely good enough for Super Rugby. We've de- Obviously, there's, it's been a bit of a down year for Australian Rugby, but I think Steve Larkham's already proven himself to be um, a pretty handy coach. Um, Nathan Gray, from all reports, is a, is a fairly good defensive coach. His record and the Waratahs' record, obviously, yeah. would indicate that they're, that... that, that yeah. Reputation has taken a battering. That's fine. We, I think everyone has think, down I think, what, I think what everyone keeps. I think what everyone forgets is that it's it's still only eighteen months since the World Cup, where the Wallabies went through and only conceded five or six tries for the tournament. Mm. So, you know, certainly his plans 
have been effective in the past. Now, the, the counter-argument to that is that he hasn't adapted and everyone's worked the Wallabies and the Waratahs out. That's all pretty valid. But again, mm-hmm. I'll go back to that point. Now that he is just a Wallabies coach, I think that now gives him time to, to make the adaptions and make the changes that he needs to make. Yep. yep. Fair enough. Uh, Will Sinclair, how can the Australian rugby community continue to have any confidence in the, Australian, in the ARU board? Who's to say they do, mate? Yeah. Well, I think that's what he's, what he's saying. Um, oh, no. Look, look in, in any, but in any professional sport, you're gonna. There's always going to be elements of the community that have no faith in the board, anyway. So, yeah. I think there's varying degrees of that. Right, look, right, right now, I think it's pretty hard to. But you know, if if if, if things finally get, if decisions finally get made, and, and and again, there is visible signs of improvement. My my biggest concern at the moment is that we still don't know what the savings of not having five teams next year is actually going to bring. My biggest concern with the AAU is that unlike every other sporting code in this country, when the proverbial shit hits the fan, where's someone standing out the front of AAU headquarters saying, that's BS, that's not true, Uh, we we disagree with that media report, Um, this is, uh, you know, overblown, that's sensationalism, Um, you know, they don't defend themselves enough. Yep. Um, and they cop a lot of crap. They cop a lot of crap in the media, and it just lets you know mud sticks. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think sometimes you need to get on the front foot, and you actually have to give a journalist a bash over the ears and goes, "Mate, that was a crap article, and you made stuff up, or not made stuff up. Sorry, yeah, I shouldn't yeah. say that. But you, but you're out of line, and that's not actually what happened, or that's inaccurate. And yeah. you know, a lot of this they brought upon themselves. Yeah, yeah, I can't disagree with that at all, at all. Uh, final rugby question, and this. Was an, was an early one from, from Digger, and it was was an immediate favourite of mine. When will the cheap seats get together for the Bledisloe Cup take place? <laughs> Look, it could even happen this year. You know yeah, what? could. It could actually happen. And what, it's only, what, a month away? It could actually happen this year. We'll speak to our chief financial controller and see what the budgets are like, yeah. and uh, we'll see what's happening. Well, I mean, I'm going. I'm definitely going to be there. So half of the budget's gone. <laughs> or all of the budget's gone, probably. Mate, I've, I work for the ABC. I've, I've got no idea what this budget thing is. <laughs> uh, let's move on to cricket. Uh, Daniel Friend, at Friendy. Friendy. When do you think the Cricket Australia pay dispute will be over? I have flights and tickets to Brisbane, and I'm thinking of taking my whites. <laughs> I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> I think that's It'll a, get sorted. That's I'm a really good you. idea. Yeah, so you said only last, last week Friday. that you thought it would be within a week, you thought. Yep. I said the end of August. Already, I think we're seeing signs that it would be closer to your prediction than mine. Yeah, um, I think I, it gets sorted. I, I actually think now I could probably bring mine forward to the end of July. I think yeah, it'll, I, it'll happen. There are shortly. a lot of nervous people who have thought that it wouldn't get this far that are now... Yep. making their voices be heard and throwing some of their weight around. Let's and, just put it that way. And and and, and uh, James Sutherland is now involved, finally. But yep. equally, you know, there'd, there'd be state cricketers out there with a mortgage who are saying, "Yep, I haven't had, a, I haven't been paid now, guys." You know, so there is an emergency fund that yes. they're dipping into. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I believe yep. so. So so I I think you're right. I think. I think there is enough urgency now on both sides that that the wheels are in motion again a bit. Yep. Yeah. Take uh, your whites, friendy, but 
Don't bet on playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably don't sharpen the spikes. Uh, Red Kev wondered similarly, will the cricket pay dispute be resolved before Federal Sports Minister Greg Hunt has to step in and save the Ashes? I reckon we touched on this last week. I reckon the the tour of India is the is the the, the ultimate motivation because no yep. one wants to take on the BCCI. Uh, and this is probably a good one to finish cricket on from Red Kev again. Which sport is run in a more shambolic fashion, rugby or cricket? In Australia, obviously, he's talking. Uh, the answer is, I mean, as bad as this cricket pay dispute looks, the answer is still rugby by a long oh, way. Oh, by a country mile. Yeah. Up until this little pay dispute, you'd, no one really had an issue with the way no. cricket was run in this country. No, no, not at all. Look, they haven't showered themselves in glory in, in this latest yeah. dispute, but that's rugby by a long way for mine. The fact, the fact that the AFL players have basically held a gun to the, to the, to the AFL's head and said, we want the same pay deal as the cricketers, and if you don't, we'll strike. And they gave it to him. I think that tells you all you need to know. Yep. Right. Now we're into the section of questions that I've loosely grouped together under the heading Others. <laughs> miscellaneous. <laughs> yes, miscellaneous. Uh, Red Kev. And I know he's been looking forward to these. <laughs> With Dan Gilbert firing David Griffin and the lack of active recruiting this off-season, I judge that LeBron James is walking when his contract is up in a year from the Cleveland Cavaliers, obviously. That's me adding that bit in. So where will he land? Hashtag free agency bingo. Uh, Kev says in brackets, note, I think he's too smart to head west. Yeah, look, I didn't think LeBron would leave Cleveland. He did. I didn't think he'd leave Miami, and he did. And now I'm thinking he will leave Cleveland, which okay. means he's probably staying. Um, but <laughs> I, look, he doesn't get along with that owner. That owner is no. an absolute moron. Um, so I think he'd be wise to leave because that team's not getting any younger. The, the, fact, um, the, fact, that he, the fact that he'd sack a coach without talking to his key player... I mean, that's... Well, it was it was it was wasn't a coach. It was the GM who was yeah. a friend. Well, not a friend, but it was very tight with LeBron. Yeah, it's, he's just an idiot. That owner. You're right about going out west though, because that's where all the talent is now. So if he's smart, he'll stay east. But I don't. I just don't know which east team he'd go to. There's a lot of talk of him going to the Lakers, but for the life of me, I don't know why he'd go to a team that's probably the worst in the West. So mm. I don't, my honest question is I don't know, Red Kev. The, the smart thing to do would be stay East, but I just don't know which team he'd want to go to there. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I've, I don't really have an opinion on this. Got to <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kev has kept going. If the Rockets manage to land Carmelo Anthony, do they have enough firepower to topple the Warriors in the West? I don't think they do. Nope, not at all. They'll, they'll, I, don't, they, I don't think they do. In, in a seven-game series, they might get hot and win one, maybe two games, but they, they have only, no Only if. on their home court. Yeah, the Warriors still have more firepower than them if they got mellow. That's, that's how, yeah. just how they are. Yep. No, I completely agree. It's like you're reading from my notes now. <laughs> now, now, Kev actually said that he did have a couple more questions about the Lakers, but he said he didn't want the, uh, want the podcast to go for a day. <laughs> so... So, oh, look, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that there's only two NBA questions, I've got to say. I thought I handled uh, those pretty well. Yeah, uh, how many more... Again, Red Kev, he went on a, an other sport spree. Mm-hmm. How many more podium finish shoeys will it be before Daniel Ricciardo has to go to hospital with stomach bug and or fungus <laughs> from his boots? I'll be honest, I thought it was going to happen two podiums ago. <laughs> I thought it the first time he did it. When... Where did the idea of drinking alcohol out of your shoe come from? Um, I'm going to go the Shire, just so I'm stabbing <laughs> the dark. But I'll, it's probably paying at about a dollar fifty. 
Uh, I don't know where it came from, but yeah. it's, it certainly doesn't strike me as something I'd want to do. I've got to be honest. No, no, no. Uh, ha- having said that, he finished fifth in Silverstone over in 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 the the Great Britain Grand Prix over the weekend. Finished fifth, having started nineteenth. If ever there was going to be a time to be drinking from his shoe, had he finished <laughs> on the podium, that would have been it because that was a fan- that was a, just a phenomenal drive. Yeah, very fair. Mm. Arsenal are currently in Australia. Well, they were in Australia over the weekend. Do you care? Nope. Uh, look, football is not our primary sport, let's be honest. So, uh, no, it wasn't a, a massive thing for me, but a lot of people went out to it and good on them. Yeah, well, look, they were part, I mean, there was 140,000 people at, out, out at Homebush. Across the two games, well, yeah. Uh, well, and Disney on ice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what pushed the numbers up. So... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, I I get the uh, the draw card the draw card appeal of of the EPL clubs, but it's not so huge and transcending of sport that I've wanted to go and see one of them yet. Yep, fair enough. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, and this might actually be the last question, mate. Well, mate, Seems, I'm going to pause you there. Well, I'm just going to pause you there because Choppy has just sent through six just as we're recording. Oh, so I'm going to hit serious? you with them very quickly. Okay, so we're, we're pumped to this. What have been your best and worst prediction from each of you on your on your 100 episodes? Oh, wow. Um, well, I can answer my worst, picking New South Wales to win game three. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the origin. Yeah. yeah. And look, on a similar similar. Uh, train of thought I'd probably have to say Waratahs leading the Australian Conference this year yeah that's that I couldn't have got that much more wrong mind you I said I said at the start of the year that I thought the Bulls would top Africa 1 and they've been maybe not quite as bad as the Waratahs but again right down there so mm-hmm. that's that's a recent one uh, in terms of my best, I'm pretty sure a couple of years ago I picked both Cameron Munster to be a future star in league and I picked Josh Hazelwood to be a oh, very good bowler. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say those were my best two predictions. You? Uh, oh, look, I've had so many good predictions that I could possibly <laughs> single one out, if I'm honest. You can't remember any of them. I mean, I don't know where to start. All right, next question. Are the Ashes going to be played? We've already covered that. Yep. Yes, they yes, definitely they will. will be. Who's this week's Premiership favourites? We've already Ta-da! covered that. Maybe. Maybe we'll say, who's your AFL Premiership favourite then? Um, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I I think GWS is getting a lot of headlo- headlines, but I still think I still wonder about Adelaide. Yeah, well, fair. Still, um, having, having said that, and and I know you won't disagree with me, I do like the shape of the spinnaker that the Swans have set sail with at the moment. Yes, I agree. A massive ride. I agree. Um, what is up with New South Wales right now between the Tars and Origin? There's no hope, is there? We've already covered that. Um, the, only, Roger... the, only, the only hope is that cricket-wise, the Blues go right at state level. True, true. Uh, who's going to finish the season with more home runs, uh, Judge or Bellinger? Judge. Uh, I think Judge might pull off as a rookie, to be honest, so I might go Bellinger there. Uh, then Federer, best athlete of our generation. So Discuss. Red Kev had a question here along these similar lines too. He said, seems appropriate to ask, greatest tennis player ever, Serena Williams or Roger Federer? Now, so just on pure numbers, Serena Williams has won, what, 22 Grand Slams? Oh, she's mm-hmm. beaten Steffi Graf, so it must be 23 now. Federer's just won his 18th on the weekend just now. Um... 
Well, if Federer played Serena, Federer would kick her ass. So I'm going Federer. Now, I didn't realise I had John McEnroe on here. No, I? well, no, well, but... if you're going to put me on the spot, then he's a better player. <laughs> yeah. Look, there was there was a really good point was made over the week over the weekend on 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 a panel of some sort, and I can't think who it was or what show it was, and so my apologies to everyone. But they just said simply that if you're having a discussion about the greatest athletes in any sport, in any uh, in any era, you can't leave Federer out of the discussion now. Mm-hmm. And I can't disagree with that. Yeah, look, I was being a bit cheeky there just in case our female listeners are there. Why I actually choose Federer is because I think he's had to beat stronger competition. Yeah. I think Serena's been heads and shoulders above everyone, and that's not her fault. But I think if you look at the talent yeah. that Federer's have to, had, had to beat since he was, what, 19, I think maybe it was his first major yeah. all the way through to now, that's why I think he's the best because he's beaten some other people yeah. that would be considered some of the best of all time. So, so, I mean, so of, his, of his 18 grand slams, and this is... You know, a little bit of guesstimation too, considering that he's won 18 Grand Slams over the best part of 18 years, roughly. I think he won his yep. first Wimbledon in 2002 or something. He wasn't the dominant player on the circuit when he first started winning Grand Slams, and he's not. The, he hasn't been the dominant player on the circuit for the last four years easily, and he's mm-hmm. won another four or five Grand Slams there. So, so you know. Nearly half is what I'll say of his Grand Slams. He hasn't been the dominant player, and 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 I think that says as much about the fact that he won as many as he when he was clearly the number one. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, at his peak, he was so dominant that he was absolutely killing people. And yeah. then, and, you know, I love these players that don't just ride off into the sunset yeah. at the pinnacle of their career because yeah. they love the sport so much. They do play on, and they're so good that they do jag yeah. a couple of other majors. And, and, now, that's, and I, I, I love that. And now he said that he he. He actually thinks he'd keep playing at Wimbledon until he's forty. And I mean, who's going to argue with that? The way he's going to stop him this this last two two weeks. I mean, he, I mean, there's only been three three Grand Slams this year, and he's he held two of them, and he didn't play in the other one. So he you know he's won every Grand Slam he's played this year. Look, he's he is just a phenomenal. We've we've talked about. I mean, I, and I've certainly talked about. You know, Ian Bell's cover drive, the the the, 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 the Federer backhand is in the same realm. Yep, I agree. Would you agree? I definitely agree. It's it's sexual. It's a thing of beauty. <laughs> it's, and and you know Rory McIlroy's drive, it's 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 the same. It's just I could watch it all day. So Choppy's question is is the best athlete of our generation. Jeez, he's, yes. he's gonna be yeah, up there. I mean is. I'd probably have Michael Jordan in that same conversation. Maybe Tiger Woods at his apex. Yeah. Um who else do we have? Oh, I don't. I mean, you could maybe try and no. There's too many good options to try and throw a cricketer in there. Um, yeah. Well, Warney. No, yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Then you choose batsman as well. Yeah. No, you're right. And then and then and then it becomes a you know Tendulkar, Callis, Ponting, Lara. Choppy. I'm just I'm just going to say yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. I totally believe my answer, but I, geez, I can't think of anyone that topples him. So why not? Yeah. On that on, on that regard, then he is number one. Mm. Is there what else has he got? No, that's it. That's it from yep. from 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 Choppy. Yep. Uh, well, then, actually, he does ask one question, which hopefully that? leads you into whatever you're going to say. Will the next hundred episodes take as long as the first hundred took? Five years. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Well, 
if that's the end of the end of the questions, that is yes. us done from the cheap seats. Remember, you can still find the cheap seats back catalogue on SoundCloud and iTunes and on TuneIn Radio app, as has always been the case. Just search for the Cheap Seats podcast. Uh, the, inter- the it's it's all there, so you can binge listen, as we've said. But when I say that that's us done, I actually mean that we're going to hang up the headphones. We are. After 100. We're going to retire on 100. We are. One better than Bradman. Yeah, take that, Bradman. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, if you'll indulge us in what has already been an overly long podcast, I mean, where do you start, mate? What's, I mean, favourite memories, favourite segments? Oh, look, my favourite segments are the ones that didn't go to air, and it's Brett blowing up at the technology. <laughs> um, everyone likes to think that he's the nice guy in this partnership, and I'm the rogue with a bit of a sailor mouth. I can tell you that is absolute horseshit. This guy swears with the best of them, uh, and he's, he's not that patient. He blows no. up like a 15-year-old girl at a Britney Spears concert. Yeah. He is, oh, so I, was, that, I was blowing up like a sailor. Only 20 minutes before we came on air tonight. <laughs> so that has definitely been my favourite memory and yeah. something I'll miss is the Brett McKay blow-ups that you, all, that you guys all yeah. don't hear. I, uh, seg- segment-wise, I mean, Ask the Cheap Seats, Cheap Seats has been a cracker. And we've, mm-hmm. we, funnily enough, we only started doing it from about the 50s, episode 50. So, yeah, you know, maybe a later. Couple, a couple of years in, but it was just, yeah. it was just so, so good that, you know, I don't know why we didn't, do it earlier if I'm if I'm honest. Um, we had briefly we had a segment and I only just found this today. Briefly we had a segment called hashtag You Bloody Idiots where <laughs> we encourage people to, <laughs> to basically basically it was an opportunity to have a crack at Ryan, Ryan's pronunciations particularly. Um, <laughs> so that was that was always good fun. But I mean it it's just it has just been been so much fun. Here here's a little factoid for you, mate. The in terms of listenerships and downloads and all that sort of stuff, would you hazard a guess what, what our biggest episode was? Oh, one of the origins? It was actually the Rugby World Cup special edition before the final. There you go. We had, it was just huge numbers and like like almost double what we would normally have. That's right. Have. So I do was, remember now. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was just massive. But honestly, it has just been... So much fun. I mean, mate, anything you wanted to to, to to say? Yeah, look, this started as a bit of fun between two mates who obviously have these type of conversations anyway, um, and we thought, why not broadcast it to a wider demographic? We didn't think it would be That's this how popular. self-indulgent we are. Yeah, well, look, we didn't think it would be this popular. There's been a lot of regulars along the way, and to, yeah. those, I, to those guys, I'd particularly like to say thank you. Uh, there's probably too many to list, and I can't well, remember it, which is the actual reason. We've probably listed most of them tonight, yeah. because as yeah, soon as we put the, the call out for questions, they, 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 you all came, came in with cracking questions, so... Yeah. So, I, look, I just want to thank those loyal listeners who have been with us from the start and, you know, took the time out to listen to two absolute idiots talk about <laughs> stuff they know nothing about. Um, it's been quite surprising that you guys are stuck with us. I've had a lot of fun. I know Brett has as well. Um, unfortunately, we're kind of at that stage of our lives where this is not as easy to do as it was for probably the first maybe six, 60, 70 episodes. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of made the call that it's probably not worth pursuing if it is something that stresses us out, yeah. if we're honest. But that is not to say that we haven't enjoyed it. I've enjoyed this one as much as any of them. Um, and I just want to thank everyone. It's been absolutely sensational. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll just carry on with that. I mean, it was, um, it's the, the fact that it's 
we've only done about 10 or 12 in the last two years probably tells you everything yeah. you need to know. So, um, you know, once we, once we stop doing it weekly, it sort of very quickly become harder to do it at all. And so yeah. it, it sort of became a bit of an obvious decision in that way. We, we, we were actually going to ironically finish 99 Not Out, but then we sort of realised that that was going to be the three origins and that was it. So we we did make the obvious decision to go around once more, and I think we did it the right way with the the Ask the Cheap Seats special. Um, so I'll say the same thing. Thanks to, to all the regulars that were been in, that, that were uh, that have been with us from day one, I suppose. And and again, I say it slightly tongue-in-cheek, it's it's your fault that we've done it five years <laughs> and for, for 100 episodes. Um, thanks to everyone who... You know who had a crack at the cheap seats tipping league there for a few years, which was which was a bit of fun. Um, and yeah, as I said to Ryan, everyone that that has has listened, that that we've chatted to along the way, um, it's been so much fun. It's been so enjoyable. Thank you, mate, for 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 talking me into it. I think back in back in back in twenty thirteen. It's thank you for hosting for roughly eighty ninety percent of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 leaving taller and better prepared half of the Cheap Seats pod on my Twitter profile for the record. <laughs> but with all the thank yous done, uh, you can still find us on Twitter, Ryan's at Ryan Oak. I'm there at BMC Sport. Um, and for one last time, I've been Brett McKay. He's been Ryan O'Connell. Stay cheap, peeps. <laughs>